0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? Good morning. Oh, boy. How many stayed up really late? Like, all right. I love doing this, like, okay, so what, curfew is at midnight, how many went to bed right at midnight, like right at midnight, uh, blessings to you, um, uh, 12.30, 12.30, 1 o'clock, 1.30, why, 2 o'clock, wow, Two th- I'm going to, uh, 2.30, 3, Three thirty who didn 't sleep yes awesome hey i uh, I hope you guys got did you hear that Australian accent just come out there? Um, I speak Australian. I hope you guys had a great night last night. Um, hope you had some fun um, i i uh, I am excited for today, um, but i 'll be honest with you i 'm nervous um, because this one out of this topic out of uh, out of all four sessions will probably be the hardest. We've been discussing last, uh, this idea of being one family. And last night, I said, uh, we're gonna be talking about four characteristics of the family of God, right? Of joining the family. And last night, um, who remembers what we talked about? What was the, the aspect, the characteristic of the family of God, anybody remember? Starts with O, rhymes with obedience, anybody? Okay, good, awesome. Took you a little bit. Um, we're highlighting this this small little story in the Bible about a man named Hosea. Last night we learned that God told Hosea to marry uh, this this prostitute, this promiscuous woman, right, and and not just marry her, have children with her. And uh, this woman slept around with so many people, made money off of it, right? But God says, marry her and have children. And like we talked about last night, God used Hosea's life as an object lesson. He he used Hosea's life as, as this symbol, right? Hosea was going to live out in marriage what the Israelites were doing to God. He was using Hosea's life as a story to show this nation of Israel what they were doing to God. So when the children were born, God used them as a symbol as well. God used these children. The first son was named Jezreel, and this was in reference to a place where there was a lot of slaughter. They had a daughter, and God told them to name her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. And then finally, they had another son, and God told them to name him Lo-Ami, which means not my people, right? Like, first of all, you've got this, this godly man who was told to marry this ungodly woman, and then they had children, and usually when you have children, it's a celebratory time, but God's like, hey, for your th- the three children that you're going to have, I want you to name them after a place of, of death, I want you to name them uh, not loved, and I want you to name your last one not my people. In this time that should have been celebration, I'm sure there was this, this period of mourning, this period of grief, this period of like tension of why... Is this happening, right? This probably was not the most joyous time in Hosea's life. But let's be honest, those names are pretty terrible, right? Like, you would hate to have a name Loami, right? Like, that, that would not be the greatest name for you to have. Can you imagine having a name with a meaning? Like that, right? Like, that. Like you would probably be embarrassed to go to school. You would probably be embarrassed to walk around. You would definitely change your name on Instagram. Like, you would not be putting that out there, right? Like, I don't know if you've ever looked up what your name actually means, but did you know, like, your name has meaning? Like, your parents probably may, may or may not have known the meaning. Um, but, uh, for example, like, Alexander. Anybody named Alex? Alexander in here? See? Okay, defender of men. How awesome is that, like, defender of men? What about Matthew? Any, any Matt in here? Matthew in here? Okay, Ma- gift from God. So anytime someone says your name, like, I am the gift. Like, that's what you, like, I am your gift. Like, that's, Isabel, any, that's female, any Isabel? One, okay, uh, God is my strength. Like, how awesome is that? Like, God is my strength. What about Gabrielle? Any Gabbies in here, Gabriella? Nope, you're not loved. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Gabriella is devoted to God, like, like these strong names, some of you have such cool meanings of name. Me? Not so much, right? Like um, Tyler, tile maker. It's true. It's true. Thank you, mom and dad, right? Like I can go to work with confidence, that I can make tiles. God is my strength, Devoted tile maker, right? Like, all right, thank you. Great. In the second chapter of Hosea, we see this poetic narrative where God tells Israel some pretty dark stuff. And God begins to describe to Israel the punishment that awaits them. It's not real encouraging. It's not really exciting. It's, um, it's pretty sad. It's, uh, it's pretty dark. And God begins to tell Israel how they're going to be punished for their sin But like God always does, God shows them that God is is a God of hope. And in Hosea chapter two, verse fourteen, it says this: "And God says to Israel after He shared with them the punishment, but then I will win her back once again." He offers this narrative of punishment, this narrative of because of your sin, this is the consequence. But he wraps it up by saying, "But then." I will win her back again, her meaning Israel. He continues later in the, in the second chapter. He says, and they in turn, Israel, will answer. Jezreel, God plants. I want to pause right there for a second. Remember the first name of the child born to Hosea and Gomer was Jezreel. But in that time, in that moment, the name Jezreel was supposed to mean a place of slaughter, a place of death. Notice how God now flipped it. He said, what was, now, what, what was a place of death? And then in turn they will answer, Jezreel, God, plants. What once was death, now God is planting for life, right? At that time I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those people I called not loved. And to those I called not my people, I will say, Now you are my people, and they will reply, you are our God. God does this flip of the narrative. He's saying, this is what you are now, but I am the God of hope. This is what you will be. You might feel not loved, but I'm going to tell you, you are loved. You might not feel like my people, but you are my people. You might feel like you're in a place of death, but I'm going to raise you up myself. God always flips it. We just sang the song, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. In this case, God is turning the story of Hosea. God is turning the story of Israel. And what we see here in this narrative of God in Hosea chapter 2 is the second characteristic, the second aspect of the family of God, and that is forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Say it again so I can take a drink of water. Okay, that was enough. Let's be real. This topic is hard, this topic is uncomfortable, this topic is not easy. Because in this life, people are gonna hurt you. People are gonna make you mad, people are gonna make you angry, people are gonna stab you in the back, people you thought were friends are gonna leave you. It's hard. Sometimes you get hurt unintentionally, on accident. Sometimes it's on purpose. In, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus says this. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible, impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus is saying there will never be a time in your life where you're free from offense, where, where people won't hurt you. There, there's never going to be a time where people won't hurt you, right? Like you, there's always going to be seasons of life where people are going Hurt you. You can be the best student, you could be the best son, you could be the best daughter, the most spiritual person in the world, but that doesn't change the fact that people are people, people are messed up, people are flawed, and people will hurt you. And when that happens, we have a choice. We can be bitter about it or we can forgive. We can be bitter, we can be angry or we can forgive. Forgiveness is a tough topic. It doesn't always feel good. In fact, being angry feels good. I am not a scientist. I don't know much about my brain, but I know what I feel like when I get angry. I, there, there's this pleasure in being angry. It, it, it takes more work to forgive than it is just to stay angry, to stay bitter. But it forces us. For, uh, forgiveness forces us to to think back on those times where we were rejected, where we were betrayed, or we were hurt, right? And we, we hold on to these, this unforgiveness due to these past hurts or past offenses, and chances are you're carrying some unforgiveness, you're carrying some bitterness. For some of you, it's been weeks. For some of you, months. Listen, there are, there are leaders in this room that are probably carrying offense from years ago. Just because we're older doesn't mean we're free from it. In fact, we probably carry it a lot more. Maybe you had someone in your life that you trusted, and you stabbed you in the back. Maybe there are people who are talking about you, and they're gossiping about you, and they're starting rumors about you. Maybe you had a parent that walked out on your family. Maybe you had a leader in your life that you once looked up to, but they used their leadership to manipulate you. Unfortunate things can happen in your life, and when offenses come, our natural response is to build walls, layer after layer, to protect us again. And so, what that means is we don't want anybody close enough to hurt us again. And so, we build wall after wall. And while walls may keep out the bad stuff, the truth is walls will also keep out the good. Walls can can protect from the evil, walls can protect from the negative, but that same wall will also hinder the good from coming in your life. With walls around our hearts, we not only protect ourselves from pain and rejection, but also from experiencing love and life-giving relationships. And if it goes unchecked, listen, this will seep into our heart, crippling our ability to live, to love, and to be loved. Here's an easy way to understand what forgiveness is. You can see it on the screen. Having unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting another person to die. Like, think, think about that. Unforgiveness is drink is like drinking a deadly poison but expecting someone else to die. It does greater harm to us than the other person if we refuse to forgive. Like I said, I know it's the morning, I know like we should like, have some energy, but like, this is hard, but this is needed. But my hope this morning is to give you a better understanding of what forgiveness is, but more importantly, what forgiveness is not, okay? If you're taking notes, I really hope, I really hope you can, you can write this down. And, and, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, in using your phone for your benefit. So if you want to take notes on your phone, I don't respect your, your leaders, but like I encourage my students to take pictures of the screen instead of trying to write stuff down, but that's up to you. But I think the, the, the theme here is we have the wrong idea of forgiveness, we have the wrong idea of what forgiveness is. And I think when we hear the word forgiveness, we picture something that may not be entirely accurate. And in order to understand what forgiveness is, I want to share with you what forgiveness is not. So here are some reasons, or here, here, here's what forgiveness is not. Number one is this, forgiveness is not minimizing the offense, Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. When you forgive someone, you aren't saying it's no big deal or it didn't really hurt me that much. I want to tell you, what was done to you was not right and will never be right. Forgiveness is not minimizing the offense. Number two, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. How many of you have ever heard or said forgive and forget? How many have ever heard that or said that? Okay, can I encourage you? Stop saying that. This statement holds no truth at all. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. You may never forget what happened to you, but when you forgive, you receive healing from that offense. Who's he, who here has ever had surgery for any reason? Surgery? Surgery? I had surgery on my back a few months ago, and um, it was painful. Like, after I had surgery, there was the healing process, and it's painful, right? And, and if you've had surgery, uh, you'll notice that there's a scar, that you have a scar. And, and there's pain in, in the immediacy of the surgery, and in the first few moments of the healing process, there is pain associated with the scar, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? But as, as time moves on, as the healing takes place, the scar doesn't go away, but the pain does. Do you know what I'm talking about? You'll you'll always remember what happened, but the pain that's associated with that is no longer there. That is what forgiveness does. It doesn't mean that you forget what happened. Number three, and this is important, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. So many people think that in order to forgive, both people have to be equally apologetic. Both people have to say, I'm sorry. Both people have to be remorseful. And some will only forgive if an apology is offered. Like, I'm not going to forgive you until he comes up to me and says, I'm sorry. I'm not going to forgive her until she says that what she did was wrong. I'm not going to forgive them until they come to me. If that happens, you actually become a hostage to that person who hurt you because it leaves your freedom up to them. They hold your freedom while you are left trapped in the hurt and the pain of what happened. It's not about reconciliation. Does God desire reconciliation? Absolutely. Check out Romans 12, 18. It says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. God's desire is that reconciliation happens, but that's not always the case. And forgiveness should not be dependent upon someone's remorse. Forgiveness should be offered anyway. Number four, Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Rather, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. I don't know if anybody ever in life, especially myself, has ever felt like going to the gym. I never feel like going to the gym. I know it may not look like I ever stepped foot in a gym, I have before, occasionally, but um, I I never feel like going to the gym, but I choose to do it, right? I, I, I choose to do it. Pastor Chris Hodges is a pastor in Alabama. He says this, choices lead, feelings follow. You make the choice, and then your feelings will follow that choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It is not a feeling. Let me tell you something. There will never be a time when you're dealing with hurt, offense, pain, what rejection, or whatever, where you say, you know what? I just feel like I should forgive them. I just like, there's just something in my soul that just wants to. That, that probably won't happen. If that does happen, kudos to you. But that's never happened to me. You're never going to feel like it. You're never, you're, especially if they don't say, I'm sorry. Like you're never going to feel like it. But it's a choice. The choice goes first. And the feeling follows. The last thing about what forgiveness is not, we don't think it's fair. We struggle to forgive because we just don't think it's fair. You hurt me. Why should I forgive you? You don't deserve to be forgiven. In fact, I want you to experience the same thing that I did. Right? We live in this culture where it's like, if I'm hurt, I want you to hurt, right? I, it's not fair. It's not fair. You hurt me. Why should I let you off the hook, right? But here's the thing about God. God doesn't hand out forgiveness to those who deserve it. I'm just going to let that sink in. God doesn't hand out forgiveness to those who deserve it, because the reality is that none of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. So that's what forgiveness is not. So what does forgiveness look like? And listen, I know it's heavy, but I'm praying that that Jesus would just be near to you in this moment. What does forgiveness look like in action? So here's how you forgive. Number one, pray for those who have hurt you. And you might be sitting here thinking, who are you to tell me that I should be praying for that person who hurt me? Where do you come off? Like In Matthew chapter 5, this is Jesus' words. He says this, you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus, he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's what the culture has told you. But I 'm telling you, love them and pray for them but here's here's what I don't want you I don't want you to pray, okay, dear God, I pray for so and so, and I pray that you would sting them with a thousand bees and that they would their car would break down, and I pray that they would have nonstop diarrhea and um and I pray that uh, they would never recover like I'm not saying that prayer, right like that is a prayer that I've probably wished on people, but like that is not the prayer that you want to pray. Pray for them. Pray pray that God would meet them where they are. Pray that they would experience God. Pray that they would understand that God loves them. Pray that they would treat people better, right? Pray for them. Number two, bless them. This is hard. This is real hard. Bless them. The word bless means to speak well of. I'm sure you recognize this in your schools and in in, in the the communities you're a part of, but this world loves to gossip. This world loves to talk about people behind their back. Schools all around the country are just filled with people talking about what they've seen on social media, what they saw at that party, what, what they experienced with another person. They love to talk about other people. But what would it look like if you chose to be different? What would it look like for you to go into your friend group in the middle of, of someone bashing someone else, and what would it look like for you to speak well of them? What would it look like if you spoke well of the very person that hurt you, for the very person that made you cry, for the very person that walked out of you? What if you spoke well of them? This is not easy, but it is necessary. It is necessary. It's hard to hear. I know you don't want to hear this. Sometimes I don't even want to hear it. It's not easy. But it's not for them. It's for you. It's not for them. It's for you. Pray for them. Bless them. Number three, do good to them. I'm sure you're probably writing me off thinking you are a crazy person. Pray, bless, now do good to them. Do you know what they did to me? Our culture tells us that if someone hurts us, we should hurt them back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? You smack me, I'm going to smack you harder, right? Like that's what our culture tells us to do. That's what we want to do. That's what feels good. That's what we feel like they deserve, right? But you can make the decision today that no matter what people do to you, that you will choose to do good to them. Luke chapter six, Jesus says this. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Listen, this isn't just my advice. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. Keith, you can come on up. Forgiveness is not easy. I've been there. I've been hurt. I've been rejected. I've been spoken badly about, and I'd be lying if I told you that it was easy. Back in like 2013, 2014, um, our church... Well, still is our church is a multi-site church. Uh, we have multiple campuses across uh, across Maryland, and uh, we had a campus in Middle River, uh, Maryland, which is close to Baltimore. And um, we didn't have a student ministry. We didn't have a youth group at that campus, and there, we needed one. Um, we had the need, and people kept asking when we we're going to have one. And so we knew we needed to launch the student ministry. And so there was this guy that had been coming to to Freedom Church, and um, and he uh had been had been in youth ministry before like he used to be youth pastor at a different church and he had come to the church and you know from from our initial conversations he was a great guy like he had vision he had excitement he had energy and so we just said you know we're going to take a risk and we're just going to launch a a new ministry a, a youth ministry there and it was awesome it was like you know 30 kids came out on the first on the first weekend and for that campus like that was that was huge it was great um but as we went along we noticed some uh inconsistencies in behavior of this guy, of this leader, and um, it turned out that he wasn't really who we thought he was, um, and, and our church had this coaching process, um, and uh, and we, we rarely ever give up on people. Like, we always believe the best in everybody, and so if someone is doing something that's not within our culture and not within our values, you know, we coach them. We try to put them um, in a place where they can... Um, find healing themselves and get back. So we, we tried to get this guy in this coaching process, and um, it turned out that he had been carrying a lot of baggage from prior hurts that he carried in with us, and he, he wouldn't allow himself to be healed. He wouldn't allow the church to kind of love on him, and, and so um, he ended up leaving the church with his wife. And um, that happens. But the thing that got me was he, he then made it a point to reach out to other people who had left, to grab meals with them, not to love on them, but to, to bash our church and bash me about decisions that I made and who he thought that I was. And, and I knew this was happening. People told me, hey, did you know that this guy was talking about you to other people? And um, it was hard to hear that. And the first reaction I had was, where is he? Like, let me get my hands on him. like, how dare you talk, how dare you paint me in a picture That is not true, right? The the, the initial reaction was anger. But through my own faith journey, through my own journey to freedom and healing, I knew that I needed to forgive him. And so I did. I I let him off the hook. I didn't speak to him. I didn't have a conversation with him. I let him off the hook. You are forgiven. A few months ago, I'm meeting... Uh, I go to this restaurant for lunch with my wife and uh, a few other of our leaders back at home and I sit down and who is sitting right behind me but this guy and immediately my response was are you kidding me? Like I'm here trying to enjoy a meal with my family and this guy I had forgiven him but there was still something that I hadn't let go of and so I said God you have to help me because I do not want this to happen." And so I said, you know what? I'm gonna go say hi to him. I'm gonna be the bigger man. Don't make any jokes about that. I'm gonna be, be the bigger man and I'm gonna say, hello. I'm gonna be nice to his wife. And so I said, hey man, how are you? And this is what he did. Hey. And me, I was like, are you kidding me? I'm the, I'm the nicer guy and say hi. And you're just gonna respond with, hey? had to forgive him again forgiveness isn't this one time thing you might forgive someone now but guess what you might need to forgive him tomorrow Jesus says 70 times 7 that's a whole lot of forgiveness it's not this one time event you've, you've got you've to do this journey of you know what yeah people are going to make you mad but forgive him anyway not because they deserve it, but because Jesus told us to. Look what he says in Matthew chapter six. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. Thank God. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Ugh, right? Right? Hard. Forgiveness is a choice. Hosea was obedient to God. He married Gomer. And it would be a great story if Hosea Hosea married Gomer and she stopped this life of sin and she turned her life around and she became a preacher and she became an evangelist and she began to win over other prostitutes. It would be great if that happened. We love redemption stories. You know, we love Justin Bieber coming out and singing worship music at Coachella. We love hearing interviews of Justin Bieber. We love Kanye West's new Jesus is King album, You're My Chick-fil-A, right? We love, we love redemption stories. We love it. But unfortunately, this didn't happen. Hosea chapter three, God tells Hosea, go show your love to your wife again. Go show your love to your wife again though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress get this love her as the Lord loves the Israelites even though they turn to other gods even when they are choosing to hurt you go show your love again even while they are going to, they're, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to love other people, they're gonna turn away from you, go show your love again, forgive her, forgive her. Why is this important? Because like Israel and like Gomer, we too have turned our back on God and chosen other things. We choose sports, We choose gaming. We choose pornography. We choose our friends. We choose our image. We choose Instagram. We choose TikTok. We choose so many other things. Yet even in the midst of our sin, yet even in the midst of our turning our back, God chose to love us. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you and for me. While we were still sinning. You know what that means? Still. You know what that means? That means that he didn't wait for you to stop to love you. He didn't wait for your habits to end before he chose to love and forgive you. Even in the middle of your addiction, even in the middle of your sin, he said, I love you too much. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the reality is that all of us have and will fall short of the glory of God. All of us will. But God loves you so much that he already forgave your sin so that you could be whole again. You know, we've been talking a lot about offering forgiveness to other people, but this, and this morning, listen, I, I know I know youth group dynamics, there might be people in this room that you need to talk to. There might be some petty drama that has been blown way out of proportion that you need to have a conversation with someone else about an offense that you're carrying. Leaders, you may be carrying a weight that's not yours to carry. It could be years in the making. It could have been when you were a kid. And this isn't, just, this isn't just for students. This is for you. This is for me. This is for staff, worship. This is for anybody who's caring for unforgiveness, who's carrying bitterness. And you might just need to have a conversation, maybe with them or maybe just with God, and release them. Release them. But then there are some of you 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 might be fine with other people, but inside you're, you're struggling. And maybe this morning you need to receive God's forgiveness. You need to receive the fact that you are loved, that God knows you by name, that God cares strongly about you, that God cares more about your heart than the choices that you make. And it's time this morning that you receive forgiveness. So I wanna pray for you. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity, like I said yesterday, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to join the family of God this morning. But I'm also gonna pray that you can receive forgiveness, that you can receive his love. So Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross for us. We thank you, God, that Even while we were still sinning, even while we were were still jacked up, even while we were still making mistakes, you chose to love us. You chose to die for us. And this morning we receive your forgiveness. If you've never made that choice, I just I just encourage you to pray after me. Repeat this after me, God. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes, and I know I I will make mistakes. But God, I just need you in my life. I've been filling my life with other things that are trying to make me whole, but none of these things are working, so God, I'm just gonna try you. I need you. Would you come and fill my life? In our small group time, the small group leaders, you can find the small group guides on that back table under the, under the family banner there. But man, it, in your small groups, go deeper. Allow the Holy Spirit to to wrap you in his arms and receive healing. So Jesus, I pray that we receive your forgiveness. No matter who we think we are, no matter what we've done, we receive the fact that you love us, that you care for us, that you've forgiven us. We receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.